We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, this is Debbie Miller, Social Media Manager for Search Engine Journal, and I'm here today with Jim Belosik of Shortstack. Shortstack is a company that assists businesses with Facebook campaigns. Hi, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about Shortstack and the different clients that you work with? Uh, sure. Yeah, Shortstack was kind of built um, out of need. We, we used to be an ad agency. And our clients were asking us, hey, you know, we want to do these contests on Facebook and, um, you know, Twitter and, and whatnot. So we came up with uh, our own software to, to do it. And then we decided, man, if the software is good enough, let's just let people use the service themselves instead of us having to hold their hands. So, um, you know, we, we really focused Shortstack on being easy to use and to help people get results, you know, in social media. So collecting data, um, you know, running contests, uh, growing their mailing lists, stuff like that. Awesome, awesome. So we wanted to talk today about some of the campaigns that you've recently run, some of the different studies that revealed different data from those campaigns. So you recently ran a study that revealed that only 0.09% of businesses' fans are organically visiting a page's timeline. Can you talk more about what went into that study and, and the results that you found from it? Yeah, um, it, it was kind of a tough study to perform because the only way that uh, you can see how many people visit your your actual timeline um, is from your Facebook insights. And to get aggregate data on that, it's it's difficult because you have to ask for volunteers. Um, so what we did is, you know, we have a pretty large network of, of users and um, agencies and brands that, that use us. So we reached out to you know, some of our, our most active people and said, hey, can you kind of pay attention to your insights, uh, pay attention to how many people uh, come back after they like your page, how many people come back to your timeline and look at it. Uh, so we had results from, I don't know, it was like 50 or 55 different participants uh, for a certain time period. And these are, you know, pretty large uh, pages. So we were dealing with, you know, millions and millions of views. And when we aggregated all the data, it came back to be only 0.09% of, of uh, traffic actually came back to that page. So it was something we always had a hunch about uh, because, you know, think of how you use Facebook personally. Uh, once I right. like a page, I, I usually just see them in the newsfeed. I don't actually go back to the page. Um, so it was, it was a hunch, but then when we got the data, we were, you know, even more surprised. So what is what would be your response to a client who says, how can we raise this number? How can we get more people to come back to our page on a regular basis, what what kind of advice would you give a client that asks that question? I, I I think the answer is don't focus on it. Don't worry about getting them back to the page. Think of how you know you consume Facebook or Twitter or whatever um, from a personal perspective. That's how your users are consuming it. So uh, it's not as important to be you know to get people to your page. It's important to be in their newsfeed. Um, and if you can't be in their newsfeed because, you know, because uh, edge rank is crazy and, you know, you <laughs> to kind of pay uh, right. to have some, some reach, that, that's why we're saying 
you know, talk about it in your newsfeed, but then talk about it in other channels, you know, uh, link to your campaigns from everywhere, uh, from Twitter, from Instagram, from, um, you know, your, your emails that go out from your website, you know, make Facebook one of many channels. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice. Can you talk about some of the campaigns that you've run from businesses, websites, or standalone landing pages and how you connected them to Facebook and how those results from those types of campaigns differ from campaigns that are run specifically on Facebook? Yeah. Um, you know, a, a couple examples that stand out are um, one, one of our clients, they're, they're called Mountain Grand View Resort Spa. So they're this big, really nice hotel uh, resort and spa. And every, you know, a few times a year, they run a contest, um, you know, it's to win a, a trip to their, their place there. And in the past, they had run that contest solely in the Facebook environment. So they would, you know, put out, um, you know, something in their newsfeed that said, hey, click here to enter my contest. It would go to a custom, you know, Facebook tab or Facebook app uh, where the people could enter. And their average, you know, rate of entry was about 7,000 uh, every time they ran this contest. We were kind of interested to test some new features in short stack. So we reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, why don't you try our publishing to the web? You know, let's, let's, instead of publishing it in the Facebook environment, let's just publish it like a, like a microsite. You can still direct people there from Facebook, but then you can direct them there even if they're not a Facebook user. Um, the first time they did it, their, their entries went from 7,000 to 15,000. Wow. So, you know, more than double the results, by taking it out of the Facebook environment. So that's super interesting to us. Um, uh, another company uh, or brand that we work with is called Zipcar. And uh, they, instead of, again, running it solely in the Facebook environment, they actually took the campaign that they designed with Shortstack and they embedded it into their website. Um, and they saw a 717% increase in entries wow. uh, versus just running it in the uh, Facebook environment. So you know, massive data, I guess, I guess what the, at the end takeaway is people are, you know, your audience is everywhere, including Facebook, but not as many people are interacting through Facebook as we originally thought, you know, the, not like back in uh, 2011. Right, right. As far as you touched upon briefly, paid reach versus organic reach, what have you seen in terms of, of recently specifically, we know that we have to kind of pay to play with Facebook. What, recently with the different campaigns that you've run specifically on Facebook, how have you seen that the results differ based on how much money you put into it versus the contests that are run more organically? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the big problem I think that all marketers are running into right now right. is uh, natural reach or organic reach um, for us is, I don't know, between 3 and 7% of our audience. Uh, which I thought was terrible, but it's actually pretty good compared to some other people that I talked to. <laughs> um, however, when we put some money against it, you know, we can we can reach uh, larger percentages of our audience. We can get into you know twenty to fifty percent range. Um, now, aggregate across all of our all of our users, uh, we don't really have good data because we don't monitor um, if they paid uh, for their reach or not. Um, you know, typically they, they purchase their, their reach through Facebook and not through our service. Um, but just in, you know, reaching out to brands, they're, they're hitting the same numbers that, that we are. So if you don't pay, um, 
you're going to have very limited engagement. So, you know, again, one of those ways to get more engagement without paying is to use additional channels. Can you talk about some of the cross-channel promotions that you've done using Facebook as well as the other social media channels? Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really popular with, uh, with our users right now is using Instagram uh, to, to do, you know, campaigns. Uh, we all know that Instagram is difficult because there's no links. You know, you can post a photo and a comment or whatever, but there's no clickable URLs. So, um, you know, oftentimes you'll be browsing Instagram and you'll see, hey, you know, click click the link in the bio. You know, click my my link in my bio um, in order to enter. That's the one place where you can have um, an actual clickable link. So what we've done with with Shortstack is you can have one link in your in your Instagram bio uh, that never needs to change. So you set up this one link once, but then using Shortstack, you can either use automated um, you know content visibility to to change you know what you're talking about um, so that you don't have to monitor it every day, or you can go in there every day and change stuff in Shortstack. You know it's basically like updating your web content, uh, but that link always stays the same. So. Uh, for example, we we did a a campaign where I think we talked about like ten different topics across ten different days. You know, some of them were, hey, click the link to order this T-shirt, uh, click the link to download our new case study, um, click the link to you know see this funny video. Who knows? And when the visitor went to that URL, um, all the content was there in order but the newest content was there at the top. So with Instagram, you know, they could, they could check out a photo um, that's, you know, a few weeks old. And if it says click the link in the bio, when they click there, they better see something that's relevant to that, to that image. Um, or yeah, definitely. Whatever. So um, by kind of leveraging Instagram's weaknesses um, and then short, short stacks strengths with, uh, with the visibility and, um, you know, leaving that one URL the, alone, it, it's been really cool. We've, we've seen um, a, a lot of interest in that. Yeah, that's great. I've seen quite a bit people who mention clicking on the link in the bio, but then they have to change the link every so often. And they, and they see, I see that quite a bit, but I haven't seen as much where it's just one link all the time. And you just keep updating the link. That seems like a great service to offer to clients. Definitely something that that way it's always relevant to someone whenever they click on it. Yeah, we, we came up with it because, um, one of my staff was looking at a um, someone that she follows in the fashion world, and when she came across, you know, like this dress that they were promoting, it said "click link in bio" to you know purchase this dress, and she went there and there was nothing to be found that they were promoting a shirt or something because it had been a few days. Um, so we're like, "Whoa, that's that's kind of a bait and switch." Uh, that's disappointing as a user because right. I have to search around and, you know, typically I'm on a mobile device and I don't really want to go through a whole lot of, you know, searching on a, on a big shopping site on my mobile device. So, um, by having a lot of content that's kind of automatically updated and maintained, it's, uh, it's, it's been really, you know, the feedback has been really great from our users. Yeah, that's awesome. So shifting the conversation to mobile a little bit, how has mobile traffic influenced your campaigns, both on Facebook and then obviously Instagram being mobile-based has has a strong mobile component, but as far as executing Facebook campaigns first, how has it changed based on making it you know, appropriate for mobile, making sites responsive and things like that? How has that changed the way that you approach campaigns? 
uh, it's everything we do now is completely mobile first. You know, in, in the past, um, mobile was kind of an afterthought to the design process. And uh, we've just jumped in with both feet and said, look, mobile is here to stay. Um, and it's, uh, especially in social media, it's really how people consume things. You know, I use Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all day for work. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was building new things. But personally, uh, I'm laying in bed looking at my phone um, yeah. to, to consume. So we've, you know, when we looked across, I don't know, 70,000 different campaigns and, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of views, uh, 67% of all traffic was, was from a mobile device. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You know, that's, there's, yeah, there's you. still traffic to desktop. Um, but, you know, then the other thing that we saw was the uh, entry rate was almost double uh, on mobile than it was on desktop. Meaning, if I have a contest and I say, hey, fill out this form to enter my contest, uh, we saw, you know, it wasn't quite double, but, you know, it was maybe 90% better on mobile devices where people actually entered the contest instead of abandoning it. So that was, that was super interesting to me. Wow, so, yeah. Not only do you have to optimize for, for mobile traffic, um, but you have to make sure that you're optimizing for mobile entry as well. So kind of kind of cool stats. We're, we're excited. Yeah, that's really exciting. Can you share any specific client examples at the moment, or is it confidential? Um, well, I'm trying to think of who's do, doing mobile the most. I, I guess most of our mobile data is, is more an aggregate. Oh, but you know, this morning when I was... Uh, getting ready to talk to you, I started, you know, just kind of cherry picking a, a couple campaigns. I, I go, went through our back end and just spot checked a few. And, you know, our aggregate data says 67%, but some of the ones that I clicked on, you know, is closer to 80%, 85% of views were on mobile. Wow. Um, most of those were from uh, fashion or tech uh, industries. So if they're running a, a contest and they're from the fashion world or you know, tech world and we're giving away, you know, um, some headphones or something like that. Massive, massive mobile traffic. So that, I guess we could say that, um, you know, it, it may be towards a, a younger generation um, that, is, that is more active on mobile. Um, you know, maybe across our entire platform, we're seeing more desktop use because there's a, a wider segment of the population. Um, but at least in tech, fashion, um, you know, retail, there's, there's a ton of uh, mobile views. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Thank you for the insight. It's really interesting. So we're running a little bit short on time and I wanted to close with a, a, a more fun question. So I noticed even in the title of your company, Short Stack, that you seem to have an affinity for pancakes <laughs> and also in your bio and all over the internet, it seems to mention that you are the pancake guy. So how did this come about? What are your favorite pancakes? Do you have any any top secret recipes you want to share with us? Anything anything you can share? Uh, it, it always comes back to pancakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's funny. So, I I have a uh, well, she's how old? She's nine now. I have a nine year old daughter. Uh, but when she was two or three, I started making pancakes for her on the weekends because I remember my dad he made me. Uh, you know, Mickey Mouse pancakes 
and I thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing. Three circles. Yes, definitely. And my daughter is uh, probably a lot like her mother, and she was like, well, Mickey Mouse maybe isn't good enough. I want a princess. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, how the heck do I make a princess pancake? But, uh, you know, never one to back down from a challenge. I made a princess pancake, and then she wanted a, a princess castle pancake, and then she wanted a Ferris wheel and whatever. So it be- became our little game. Uh, where I would make, you know, eventually I was making these three-dimensional pancakes um, that do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I started a little blog because I wanted to share it with friends and family. That's great. So do you have a blog specifically for pancakes as well? Uh, well, I did. It's It's been kind of dormant for a while, um, but it's called jimspancakes.com. Uh, but it was just, it was mostly for friends and family to see, uh, but then it got picked up in a couple of places and started going nuts um so the next thing i know you know we did the rachel ray show and i made pancakes for rachel ray and um ended up getting a a book deal and so we i made a little recipe book on how to make all these pancakes well during this whole crazy pancake time i'm trying to build my business you know my software company and everyone uh, you know all the staff was making fun of me and calling me short stack and pancake boy (laughs) (laughs) So when it came time to name the company, uh, Short Stack just kind of seemed to to fit. So we ran with it. And uh, yeah, our official name in the eyes of the government and the IRS is Pancake Laboratories, Inc. <laughs> and that, that, that definitely awesome. makes the bank tellers look at you funny when, uh, when you try and cash a check or something. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, that story. Yeah, well, Jim... So- well Jim thank you so much for your time I really appreciate you sharing your your insight and your inside scoop on the campaigns that you've run and thank you so much for your time thank you thanks for having me my pleasure thanks this is Debbie Miller with Search Engine Journal and this is Marketing Nerds Podcast this Marketing Nerds Podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal for more news interviews and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world visit us at searchenginejournal.com